Today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we have your week in IndyCar guest show featuring a longtime friend of the show and a good friend in general, that being Zach Brown, also happens to be a man who runs McLaren Racing. Do some fun stuff in Formula One you might have heard of. And hey, they're now an IndyCar. Even better. Thanks again to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA for their support of the show. And thanks for taking some time, Zach. By reading the interwebs, I see things have been slightly busy for you of late. Yeah, it's been, uh, first of all, uh, good to chat. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, like a qualifying lap ever since we withdrew from Australia Thursday night. Uh, every day has been uh, busy, intense. Uh, it's not lighting up, but I do think we uh, start to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Well, knowing that you have been a man doing, I don't know, uh, 10, 12 plus hour days of late with some pretty heavy topics. Why don't we dive into our questions here? Maybe it will offer a little bit of a reprieve. Some of the questions are silly too, which is perfect for our show. Why don't we... Why don't we start one with an M. Pruitt, uh, who sent in a question here. So last week, Zach, we should have been celebrating the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. We know that's been pushed off to August. We also know that you, the Aero McLaren SP team, you specifically on the McLaren racing side, really looking forward to getting that May opportunity at Redemption, maybe is the word, to change the narrative, uh, change the memories coming out of 2019. Give me some thoughts, if you could, Zach, on looking back one year later at a really painful month of May in 2019 with a year's seasoning and flavoring. Any new perspectives or new takeaways come to mind on what you learned about a time when Indianapolis said, nope, you're not going to get to come in and play this year? Uh, yeah, I try not to look back other than uh, for learnings uh, and tend to look forward. I think you need to do that in, in life. Of course, you never forget about the past, uh, especially when it permanently scars you. Oh, um, I made a you know, as I've uh, discussed many times, a lot of mistakes that, um, you know, mistakes are okay as long as you learn by them and you don't uh, repeat the same one. There's no guarantees, as we know, at uh, Indianapolis. So I think we've uh, taken all the right learnings from 19 and should have a much stronger 20. That being said, um, it's a pretty brutal place. It's happened to the best of them. Roger Penske, Bobby Rahal. Um, not that that gives you great comfort because it kind of doesn't matter, but it does show you that um, it's a tough place to tame and you can get it wrong, and many have got it wrong. But then what did Roger come back and do? He came back and won the thing. So I'm not uh, by any means 
suggesting we're going to come win it. We're going to try. Um, but, you know, we need to keep our head down and, and before you go for a result, got to make sure you're in the show. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm uh, always nervous before races because anything can happen. So I think um, until we've made the show, I won't have uh, um, as much comfort as I would like. But I, I think the combination of how we're going uh, racing this year should be uh, substantially better. Well, amen to that. Let's go to let's go to Steve Grinstead. It says Mr. Brown with the delay in starting the season. What do you see as the biggest issue with a compressed and ever changing schedule in IndyCar? Interesting one. Right. Uh, we have another question where someone's yeah, asking uh, about plans and contingency plans. And if you have contingency plans for your contingency plans. Um, yeah. I mean, starting with that, I think we all have lots of contingency plans. Um, you know, we're not racing yet. We're getting close, both in, in IndyCar and Formula One. Um, NASCAR obviously has, has got started. Um, just because you got started doesn't mean that's exactly how it's going to finish. So I think you need to have a variety of plans in place. Um, I think that's the same for everyone. I think where uh, this condensed schedule could um, challenge us the most is we have two rookie drivers. So anytime you're taking track time away um, from drivers that you you know you want to give track time to, that that's I think a bigger uh, disadvantage for us than you know Little Power who's been to all these racetracks a hundred times or Scott Dixon. So um, I I think otherwise we are all have the same challenges. That's the only one that sticks out to me is maybe an ad, added challenge for our, our team is, you know, we're going to Texas and the schedule is condensed. And, you know, when you have rookie drivers, you want to get as much track time as, as possible. And, you know, unfortunately we're not going to um, get as much track time as we would had it been a uh, normal racing schedule. Move to the next question here, one that's led to some pretty fun thoughts and commentary throughout the world of motor racing. Our pal Carlos Serafica asks, Zach, what are your thoughts on Ferrari's air quote evaluation of a potential IndyCar program? Also asks, would you support their entry into the series should it happen? And the last thing I'll throw in here is my hard drive's pretty big while we're recording, but uh, I fear we might fill it if we shared all thoughts here. So Ferrari says they're evaluating IndyCar, Zach. Any thoughts and would you uh, welcome their arrival if it were to magically happen? I think it would be excellent for Ferrari to join. Uh, IndyCar would very much welcome Ferrari and, and any other great manufacturer or team. Uh, I think maybe more the merrier and it's an iconic brand and racing team in North America is a 
you know, very big market for them. So I think a, a potential Ferrari entry in IndyCar would get uh, two thumbs up from McLaren. Let's stick with a general topic here from Simon Steele asks, Zach, do you think IndyCar might benefit from a Formula One style budget cap? And also uh, says, who knows, maybe that could enable IndyCar to go back to multiple chassis again if the costs were brought down to some particular level. You see any anything here that could be applied from F1 to IndyCar where there's a genuine need? I, I don't think from a budget cap. I got to say the more involved we get in IndyCar and the, the more involved I am in the number side of the business, I think they've done an excellent job with uh, budget. I think IndyCar is great value for, for money. I think what we need to do collectively in IndyCar is try and increase revenues. But, you know, you already can't spend unlimited money in IndyCar because of the rules, uh, the restrictions, you know, you can't make your own front legs and body work. And so I don't think IndyCar costs are uh, out of line at all. I think where the sport can grow is on uh, revenues. So I, I, I don't see a budget cap being necessary in uh, IndyCar. I would like to see multiple chassis, you know, if I look back at um, what is arguably the best era in racing, of course, everything else is a, a subjective opinion. I look back to the early 90s of IndyCar when it was really knocking on the door of Formula One. You had two or three chassis, three or four engine manufacturers. That was Awesome. So I don't think you need as much diversity as Formula One and have, you know, 24 different cars. But I was always excited when Porsche was going to unveil their new car or True Sports had their own chassis or the Galmer came out. To me, it added some excitement and intrigue. I think one of the challenges now is it would be hard for, uh, multiple manufacturers to be economically viable. So, you know, Delara is in the business of making indie cars. If you cut their indie car business in half, you might find that that's not a business for them. So I don't know what the answer to that is, but if we could go back to having uh, a Delara, a Lola, a Reynard, a Swift, a Galmer, that would be cool. I think if we look in your private racing collection, Zach, you know, we might be halfway there. So that's a good thing. Uh, we got a question a little <laughs> bit about that car collection, too. We'll get to um, let's go to there's just a uh, interesting personal one from Vic D. So, Zach, here's a question I've always wanted to ask. What's it like being an American living in the UK? Says, in my opinion, you are the American dream. You worked hard to make just marketing international what it is. And now find yourself as a CEO of McLaren Racing. Job well done. Well, look at that. A little recognition there from Vic. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's nice. That's nice. It's very nice. Um, I, 
I've been coming to England. I lived in England in the early 90s, so uh, this feels very much like home to me. Uh, I, I moved here well before uh, the McLaren role, so this is somewhere uh, I've wanted to be. Uh, I, I, I like my, my journey, um, spending 20 years in Indianapolis. I'm very happy my kids were born in Indianapolis. I think it's a great city. It's a racing community. Um, and then I like the, uh, global nature of, uh, London, England, uh, it's history. I love history. So there's, there's lots of history here. So I feel very fortunate. I've been able to be on both sides of the, of the pond. Um, and I've been coming here so long now. I, I don't feel, um, like someone that's not from, from England. I mean, there's so much different nationalities in, in England. It's, you go into London and it's, you know, 20 countries in any one restaurant. So, uh, I feel like I've, I've blended in. I, I, I felt more like an American when I moved here in the, in the nineties because they kind of make you earn your stripes. But I think I've been here long enough now that, uh, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm welcomed here. And I'd also suggest that growing up in Southern California primed you for that because it is hard to go anywhere and find uh, more than two or three people who look the same or, or have the same original language spoken. So not uh, not a bad thing there. Let's go to Tony Mueller. So, Zach, unlike last season, Indianapolis is not the first oval on the schedule. And for the first time since 2010, we even have a big fast oval before we go to Indy. Curious of you if you ever thought about bringing in some of the friends of McLaren, uh, whether it be a Fernando Alonso with Jensen Button or otherwise, to come and try their hand at Texas of all places. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the drivers outside of IndyCar um, aren't a big fan of the risk that they see associated with the ovals. I, I think the new windscreen's gonna gonna help. Um, you know, Indianapolis is a awesome uh, place. Fernando loves it. Uh, Fernando's one of the rare drivers that will uh, drive anything, whether it's Dakar or Indianapolis. But in my conversations with uh, the majority of the other Formula One drivers, there doesn't seem to be a, uh, a, a big interest to do the road races, but there seems to be some uh, resistance uh, to, to join the ovals in something like Texas, which is so fast. I, I, I think it might be uh, at, at the stage of some of these drivers' career more uh, risk than reward in their mind. Another thing, too, and I believe we might have a question a little further down about this. Uh, seeing that Jensen was on the radar for possibly coming and joining us here in the near future and whatnot, I know I've had a couple questions in recent weeks about uh, about the, this topic. Curious in your thoughts of going racing with the two young full-timers in this new relationship between Sam Schmidt, Rick Peterson, McLaren, and gelling. Uh, 
before trying to introduce a third, call it guest entry somewhere. I know I've definitely been of the opinion that, uh, boy, throwing a, a wild card or a third entry out there in the uh, second or third race in this new relationship might be a bit of a bridge too far, but maybe there's something uh, I'm not seeing or don't grasp. Yeah, no, I think our decision to go with two young drivers to Indy Lights champions uh, is an exciting lineup. We know uh, rookie drivers will will make some mistakes, so will some experienced uh, drivers. So, you know, I, I think our plans for 2020 are, are now changed because of the lack of testing available. Uh, I don't think, I think the other drivers that we're talking to recognize how difficult IndyCar racing is. They have a tremendous amount of uh, uh, recognition for the drivers. And while they're confident in their abilities to be successful, they recognize they need to test. So I think the likelihood now of a third car uh, popping up in 2020 is probably unlikely because the original plan was let's get through the first half of the year. Let's make sure we have a good Indianapolis and then let's test some of these guys and see if they want to try a race or two, because maybe that would lead to something on a more full-time basis in 2021. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'd ever have guest appearances just for the sake of guest appearances. It would be because it would lead to something else. I think now with the restricted schedule, uh, potentially no testing, which we're still talking to the league about, I think it's highly unlikely any driver of that caliber would, um, just think they can hop into a car Friday morning and practice that they've never driven at a track they've never been at and be competitive. And these drivers are too professional um, and want to be prepared and would not put themselves in that situation. So I think it's probably going to be a wait till 2021 uh, to replay what we were maybe looking to accomplish in 2020. I know I've read about Jensen. I know Jimmy Johnson's been mentioned. Just want to throw out there. I'd really love to see Mika Hakkinen hanging a Aero McLaren SP Chevy out at, I don't know, Laguna Seca. Uh, heck, Indy would be phenomenal. And I realize he's air quote retired, but come on, man. Uh, we need we need a little bit of Mika back in our lives right about now. Let's, uh, yeah, I, um, I've not spoken with Mika about it. Um, so, uh, Jensen and, and, um, Jimmy, uh, I have spoken with and they're very interested in IndyCar. They think it's a great racing series. Uh, Mika did do some GT racing in uh, Japan, uh, last year, but I suspect because he's a, uh, you know, he knows what it takes to be a world champion. I suspect he's at a stage in his career that he, um, you could maybe see him, uh, give the 24 hours of Daytona a go or a Lamar 
but I think um, IndyCar might be uh, more of a uh, commitment that he'd be prepared to to make at his stage in his career. Well, next time I see him, I'm just going to pump him up a little bit. Uh, let's go to Jordan give him, Darwin. Give him the idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're creating problems. Uh, Jordan Darwin says, Zach, your race car collection has gotten some press, but they never mention any of the historical Indy cars you might have. Does it have it on good authority that you actually might have some? So we'd love to hear about what kind of Indy cars you have, and are there any things you're still hoping to acquire? Um, good question, and I, I, I love Indy cars, as, as you know. Um, I'm fortunate to have... Uh, a great IndyCar collection, in my humble uh, opinion, because I, I um, I'm such a fan of, of the sport. And, and I've got, uh, I mean, they're all special, but to highlight uh, maybe a few of them, I have Mario's 1987 uh, Lola that he won Long Beach in. I was at that race uh, as a, 15, 16 year old uh, kid. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in the grandstand and this was Mario Andretti. And I was able to acquire that car. And even cooler is I had it restored and Mario shook it down with me <laughs> for me. Uh, I saw that. Chicago, yeah. Uh, his form. His former team came out, and his engineer happened to be there that day, uh, Mr. Adrian Newey. So that was a very, you know, talk about feeling like a, a, a big kid again. Um, so that car's got a lot of uh, meaning to me. And then um, not too recently, I acquired um, from the man himself, which was uh, always fun doing business uh, with the captain, uh, and he knows I'm a big car guy. And he called me and said, I've got this Emerson Fittipaldi 1989 Indy 500 winning championship car. I'm thinking about it. And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I'm a huge Emerson fan. I remember that race with Little Al like it was yesterday. Um you know, it's a Penske car, so uh, that one is special. And then I've got a little Al championship car from 90, and Michael, who I'm partners with. And all these guys were the ones that really got me into into racing. So I've, I've, I've got a handful of cars of what I consider to be the iconic. All, all the cars were driven by Indy 500 winners, and IndyCar champions. So I've got a Mears, I've got a Sullivan, I've got a Ray Hall, and Andretti, uh, um, two Andrettis, uh, an MO. So to me, that captures my um, my childhood growing up into kind of getting into the business. And uh, so they're very, very special to me. I'm also proud to claim ownership of almost all the same cars. Sadly, 118th or 143rd scale. I don't fit in them as well as I once did, but I can tell you one thing, and we've you've made no secret, nor have I. One of the best weekends every year is the Rolex Monterey Motorsports reunion at Laguna Seca, where you are there seemingly every year with some delightful cars. 
I end up missing an IndyCar race or an IMSA race every year to be there. And it is just the fountain of youth. It's a replenishing event where in the middle of the season, you can actually just enjoy the sport without it being a pressure packed thing. I know you also get business done there as well. So it serves two purposes. It's just an amazing, amazing time. And I think one of the things that stands out from your response to the answer here to Jordan, I need to start lobbying the folks there in Monterey for having a vintage IndyCar demonstration class. I don't think they would go for having it as a race class that might scare the poop out of them, but just the ability for you and others to bring some of your favorite cars to do some lapping in. Uh, I think that would make, I think folks would just fall over backwards from seeing some of the cars you mentioned and knowing that there's dozens of them throughout the country that could be brought. So that's a, uh, that's a solution I need to work on here. Lobby, lobby away. I'd love to bring them out there. So one or two more questions before we got to let you go back to your day, Zach, and to stay on the topic of vintage items here. This comes from Dean Ackerman who says with your growing collection of vintage cars, do you own any of your former junior open wheel cars? Toyota Atlantic formula three formula Vauxhall. He also asks, when do you sign Ram bathrooms as a McLaren sponsor? (laughs) (laughs) I've known Dean for 20 years. He's designed some of my, uh, uh, racing cars. He's a great, uh, artist and has a great uh, design eye. Yep. Um, I, I don't. I'd love to find uh, one or two. The only car I have of my own that I raced uh, was my is a uh, Ferrari a 430 Challenge car that I won Fontana and the Montreal Grand Prix in, which was a lot of fun. Um, but I would love to go find my old Opel Lotus car, but um, I don't know uh, where it is. The good news is it wouldn't be very well sought after a collector's piece. I could buy it on the cheap. $5,000 junior open wheel car right there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go with, uh, let's see. Why don't we just go with one final fantasy one to close? And again, I know we had about a half hour here. Go with Ben Cohen says, Zach fantasy time. What McLaren formula one car former or current? Would you love to see test its limits? The Indianapolis Motor Speedway, not the road course, but the big oval. Oh, that's a great one, Ben. What, Formula One car? Yes, McLaren Formula One car. MP44. MP44. Get that thing up on its turbo and it would fly. Uh yeah, a driver, I, I think you might have raced against him, I don't know, uh, back in the West Coast Formula 4 2000 series, uh, was a mechanic for a little while for Aaron Shue, who uh, bought an MP44, and of all things, hung it on the wall. So, yeah, let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's get one of those beautiful 1988 McLarens out at the Speedway. I love it. Well, Zach, thanks for taking some time again. I know that you have been truly overwhelmed with running businesses and whatnot. So uh, carving out a half hour here for us, definitely appreciated. My pleasure. Happy to talk racing anytime.